Hey everyone, you're listening to the Simp Investing Podcast where we discuss everything finance or business related. So Simp stands for Simplified, Integrity, Meaning and Prudence. You can find us on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts. And don't forget to give us a follow at Simp Investing on Instagram. So just a disclaimer before we officially begin, we'd like to put out that the information and content discussed does not constitute to any financial advice and serve only for educational and entertainment purposes. Hi, everybody. Today, we have the pleasure of having uh, Chloe. Chloe is the CEO and founder of Startup K. It's a Korean fashion e-commerce store uh, based in Korea, and they sell worldwide and stuff. So, Chloe, thank you for your time. Um, okay, so I guess the first question would be, um, can you introduce yourself? Uh, tell us what you do, who you are, and how do you get to this point about uh, to operate this, uh, this business, Startup K? Okay. So, hello, everybody. My name is Chloe. Right now, I'm in Korea, and I've been in Korea for the past seven years. Um, how I get to become uh, an entrepreneur in Korea is that um, I came to Korea because of my love for Korean. I came here to study and I studied um, Korean translation um, as a master's student. And during that time, I actually got to know about the startup scene in Korea. And I got to know about the opportunity that they provide for foreigners in Korea um, to create a business here. And because I've always been selling small things in Carousel in Singapore um, while I'm in Korea. And this actually um, sparked something in me to just go for the um, for this opportunity. And I got the support from the Seoul Metropolitan Government to set up a business in Korea. And yeah, here I am. Okay, so can we wind it back a bit? So seven mm-hmm. years back, so um, is that what, 2014, 2015? 2015. Okay, so were you uh, in JC, in university, what was your situation in life at that point? That time, I already graduated from NTU, and I was working uh, for a period of time, and then I went to Korea. Okay, so was it during your job, you realized that there was this, um, the sole metropolitan opportunity thing? Like, how did you get or get in contact and find out about this? Okay, so like, when I decided to come to Korea, it was not because of business. So I had, I didn't know that I would become an entrepreneur. And when I was young, I never thought that I would become an entrepreneur. It's just that I wanted to learn Korean. Um, and I decided to come to Korea to learn Korean officially. Mm. And so I came here. But when I was here, maybe on my um, fourth year, I got to know about this opportunity that they provide for foreigners. And therefore, I got the opportunity and I started the startup three years ago. Okay. So uh, now it's 2022. So it started in 2019. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Okay, so when did you actually move from NTU working and then fly to Korea? When, when was the first time that? Mm, so I came to Korea in 2015. I graduated from NTU in 2013. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's the timeline. Okay, but what happened between the f- 2015 and 2019? Because you said only in 2019 you started the business, right? Yeah, okay. So I decided to come to Korea to study Korean. So for the first uh, few years, I was studying Korean. So I got... Uh, I studied at the Yonsei Language Institute for the first year and reached uh, topic level 6, which is the Korean profici- uh, proficiency test. And then after that, I got the scholarship from uh, the Korean government to actually do uh, Korean uh, translation master studies uh, in one of their universities. And during my last year of the master studies, that's when uh, it's 2019, and then I got to know about this opportunity. And uh, so at 2019, after my master's course, I started this um, business. Okay, so 
when you first went to Korea for a master's first, like what, what do your parents say? Like, are they like, what, what the heck? <laughs> like, <laughs> like what, what is their, like, you know what I mean? Like most, I would say girls even as well, you go by yourself as well. Like for, to a foreign country, it's quite daunting and stuff. Like, can you tell us more about that experience? Yeah. Okay, uh, I'm not sure about like the Singapore scene right now. I think like it might have changed, but during my time, like seven years ago, um, because there was no people around me where who has actually gone to um, a country just to learn the language. Because um, when I decided to go to Korea in 2015, I decided to go just to the language institute is to study Korean uh, without no with no guarantee that I'll be in a master's course. So for that. Um, and based on my budget and stuff, I could, I could only stay um, for six months. So when I told my parents that I want to go to Korea for six months, they will be like, um, um, like why? You know, because, <laughs> yeah. And, and so like my, my parents was like, my, my mother actually allowed me to actually go for two months. She thinks that it's, it's better than like two weeks. Uh, but to me, I just thought that um, as somebody who learned languages, uh, you need a period of time to be in, a, in another country to fully learn it well. So uh, six months to go to two levels. Mm. And so I was just um, ensuring them that um, I've gone to Korea before during my exchange and that I'll be all right. I'll be staying in the same area. Uh, so uh, eventually what actually convinced them was that, you know, like um, my parents are actually Buddhist, uh, you mean the, the Taoism. And they have like this God of mercy and stuff like that. So what my, my parents eventually do is that we went to one of the temple, like kind of a home temple kind of thing. And then like we shake the, you know, um, what's that? Tian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And we shake the tian and then um, just tell the God that we are, I'm going to Korea, you know, things like that. And then the, the thing that came out, I think it's number one. And the person said, this is like the best tian. And if let's say you want to go, then the God will actually pick path a, a path for you. And so my, after that, my parents, my mother, actually, she just said, okay, you can go. You know, I think that's, that's, the, that's the turning point. That's what makes her think that, okay, uh, you'll be fine and you'll be safe in Korea. Yeah, so, so that's what's convinced my mom, actually. Okay, so I'm guessing end of 2018 and stuff, you finish your master's. Is that correct? Finish the uh, level 2019. six? 2019. Uh, uh, for the level six, I finished uh, in 2016. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So how, how does go from learning language to Korean fashion, like mm-hmm. fashion and business is very different from learning language, right? So how did yeah. that transition? Okay, so like when I was in Korea, because um, I keep extending my stay in Korea. So initially I wanted to stay here for six months, but because I wanted to stay here uh, longer, mm. I need to actually get money. And because I like shopping too. So sometimes uh, I just go to like shopping and then I see certain things that I thought, oh, this, uh, if this one, this thing is in Singapore, it would be good. If this thing is in Singapore, I would have bought it and things like that. And so um, last time I was selling things on Carousel. It's very easy to actually sell Carousel. And so I just take picture and then just upload on Carousel like several things while I was shopping. And people start to buy and it becomes bigger. Uh, so I just start to, you know, like, um, just like as a hobby, I just start to sell and buy, you know, things like that. And that's how the business began at that point in time, but I didn't know that it would become a full-fledged business at that point in time. So I was just studying in school and then as a hobby, just taking some pictures and uploading um, uh, and selling. Uh, yeah, so that's what I was doing. And then this opportunity came and I used the same, and I used this idea to actually uh, go for uh, this thing and uh, I got it. 
Okay. So you start selling on Carousel. I'm guessing there's demand. You see sales coming in. Like, okay, validation, right? That this works. Yes. So then how do you like, you know that demand is there. You know the current. So are you going like, I don't know, current wholesale markets, you're going down and then really sourcing for the product and taking a picture and then selling it online or like, how does that process go? So at the start, right, I was selling as, uh, I was I was selling brand name stuff. Like, so for mm. example, like Adidas shoes, uh, which uh, design is not available in Singapore. So all these kind of things, they are not uh, in Dongdaehun. So I don't go down to Dongdaehun. I just go to like places that's around my neighborhood, which is like the shopping area. And I go to the shops, I take some pictures and I just upload Okay, understood. Yeah. So when you start your business first, right? Because you said you on scholarship. So were you on a work visa? Like how does the Korean government extend that? Yeah. Uh, for my scholarship is on the uh, student visa. visa. Yeah. yeah. And then right now I'm on the startup visa. Okay, understood. And so what are there any like specific requirements for you to set, set up the business in Korea? Uh, specific requirements as in? Uh, so like, for example, you need to hire three locals. You need to hire mm. uh, something like that. I know Singapore, Singapore has something like that, right? I think. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So, like, for the career-wise, right, uh, in order to get the startup visa, you need to fulfill certain uh, criteria. So, one of the criteria would be, like, you need to go for like, certain courses, uh, which is, they call it the OASIS course. You have to go for this course, get some points, uh, and then after that, you will have to also... Uh, set up your business, that means you need to have a uh, office mm. and then you need to have uh, like register for some of their official documents. Uh, yeah, besides that, you can start running already. This is actually to just get a visa, but if let's say you have the right visa, you can actually start with like a personal uh, business kind of thing, like individual business. It's just mm. that I need to start with like a company. I need to start a company in order to uh, get the visa. Okay, understood. So, you start, start uh, you set up Startup K and stuff, 2019. Uh, and I see on your website as well, you have like, uh, like you said, reputable brands like like uh, Fila, Guess, ADLV, right? I know it's sponsored. Uh, it's got Lisa. Um, it's the mm-hmm. brand investor stuff right there. So how do you reach out to these people? And are you holding stock inventory? Do they, do you buy in bulk? Like what is uh, arrangement like with these brands? Okay. So like for most of the brands, we don't really hold inventory. So we have this partnership whereby we, uh, we get their orders and then we, fulfill it uh, at our office in Korea. Okay, understood. Yeah. Present? So, the brands, right? So, uh, do they just accept like uh, anybody who f- they feel has a lot of credentials and you know, numbers to back it up or is something exclusive? Like it's like a, sort of like a, for example, right? Like in, in the context of hardware, uh, computer stuff, there are like exclusive uh, partnerships. So only this company can distribute my, like my, uh, product is that, is that something that you get or that you obtain or is it uh it's not really exclusive um actually it depends on brands actually on mm. their expansion plans also so like for certain brands they would like to expand to like certain markets but they also do not want to have so many sellers selling it so mm. they will limit the number of sellers but for certain brands they actually want to have like as many sellers as possible so that's when they won't go for exclusive. They will just um, get as many sellers as possible to actually sell that product. So it depends on the seller's point of view. So like, because I'm, I'm also looking at your website earlier, like you have a lot of brands, right? Do you like, uh, you specifically pick the brands to like cater the your, your product offering to suit a certain uh, demographics or a certain customer niche? Do, do you do something like that? 
So like for us, right, we sell mainly just streetwear, uh, unisex streetwear, mm. uh, like oversized t-shirts and shoes and things like that. So our target customers are usually the younger people, uh, before, maybe below like 30 and younger and stuff like that. So like the brands that we look for and the designs, they are also towards like the younger people and also a similar kind of designs, but kind of different style in order to capture this market. I see. So uh, I'm also a bit curious about how you actually uh, market it. Do you, uh, because I'm not a marketing guy, so I, I'm mm. actually quite intrigued by actually how brands get built up sometimes. Mm. Uh, do you do you use a lot of like, um, for example, because I'm on the website, I see like some like the BTS stuff. Uh, mm. And then um, do, you, do you like use sort of like influencer kind of style of marketing approach or are you just like, you know, I, I, uh, in layman terms, like just spam the ads? <laughs> mm. Okay, so like, um, uh, if let's say we go for like the most uh, layman term marketing, right? We mm. actually need to build the brand up first uh, because this is a website from scratch. It's not like something like um, Carousel or whatever that really have the marketing all done. So like to build mm. something from scratch, you need to, to um, the website to be seen on Google, like the first few pages in order for people to, to trust it. So in order to do this, do this right, you need, you need to invest a lot on like SEO. So SEO is something that will actually uh, boost your ranking on Google, like organically. Because like for ads, uh, this are only, they only boost for a short period of time. So for the long-term effect, for more permanent effect, you have to go for SEO, and which I've been focusing on for, uh, for the most part in order to like gain credibility. And besides that, of course, uh, because we are going for the younger people, right? We need to have like Instagram, like Pinterest, Twitter, and also like um, influencer marketing. Yeah, these are all the different things that we use to actually reach out to the customers of our like target group. So it's more of like a, I would say a pronged approach at once. Yes, so yes, the yes, long term is the SEO, then the ad buying is the shorter term. Yes. Yeah, because like we are a fully online business. So mm-hmm. we do not have like the reputation or like the reliability of like an offline store. So we need to do like omni-channel, like through the different channels to actually reach out through our target customers. Yeah. Actually, with regards to SEO, right? Because uh, in, in the future, I think I, I will be using SEO a lot because I think it's something mm-hmm. to help to generate a, a brand's uh, longevity. Mm-hmm. But yeah. how do you actually build up your SEO score? Is it a score? Or something like uh mm. to make the algorithms favor you. Is there is there a certain way, or is it just from what I know? I write a lot of blogs and then try to link it back. <laughs> yeah, actually, um, it depends on what kind of business that you're trying to build. So for us, it's like an e-commerce fashion store, and mm. um, so like for SEO, right? It's not just like a one one metric or something. It depends on a lot of different things. Like for example, the title. Um, like your your page speed and like the relevance of your page and stuff like that. So um, all these factors come into play to actually uh, eventually uh, play a part in the customer's experience and and therefore lead to your SEO ranking. Yeah. So there's no like a number. It's more like uh, you need to look at the data, like what kind of keywords you're going to rank for, and then like uh, what are the keywords that your your customers are searching for, but you do not have in front of the website. And then what can you do further? Uh, what can you improve? You need to know a bit of coding knowledge that'll be good uh, to actually um, solve your, you know, the back end technical stuff, uh, which maybe slow down your website 
in order to actually boost the ranking of Google also. So actually it takes a actually is a is a it takes a lot of work for SEO. So it's like a mix of uh, an art and also a science at the same time. Since you're looking at the figures and trying to uh, build around that. Yeah, you need to know, actually, you need to look at the figures and then decipher what is it all about. And then think of a strategy on how to build up the website from there. Because oh. SEO depends on a lot of different factors. Um, so, like, for example, you can run a scan or, like, you can run, uh, like, um, an analysis, but you need to know, like, what the analysis means and then what kind of uh, strategies or, like, what kind of ways can you take it from there. I see. Oh, also, uh, sorry, sorry to sidetrack. I, you mentioned that you were in Korea for many, many years. Then, uh, do you think, like, having that experience and living firsthand in Korea got, has any benefit to help, helping you market the stuff better? Is there any value at? Market my online business, is it? Yeah. Uh, being in Korea, market my. Uh, so you you live in Korea, you you understand the lifestyle here. Maybe it'll help with like uh, cause the there's a lot of streetwear in Korea. Right? Last time I I've been to Korea like last year December that mm-hmm. even though it's winter period, I still see some people wearing like a little streetwear kind of stuff indoor. Do you, do you think it's because of that culture that helps you to like um. Uh, generate better contextualized uh, knowledge that you actually observe, then that helps with like building up the brand and marketing your uh, products and even choosing your uh, inventory uh, product mm-hmm. list. Mm-hmm. I think um, like being in Korea actually uh, built up my fashion sense uh, because they are really, um, their fashion trend is ever-changing and they have a lot of uh, really good Korean fashion designers and their quality is really good uh, at uh, an affordable price point. And that's why we wanted to do like Korean fashion too. So that actually sparked up the idea of um, doing like Korean fashion, which maybe I wouldn't do it in other countries if let's say I'm there. Um, but if with regard to marketing and stuff, it's not related to Korea because we are all targeting like the overseas customers. So we are not selling to like Korean customers at all. Yeah, it's just that we get like inspiration in terms of the design, in terms of the fashion. And then we, we think about like, okay, what kind of, um, what kind of design is good? like foreigners, like our target customers want. Yeah, because there's a lot of designers, there's a lot of brands, but we will seek out those brands which our target group would like. Understood. So you can ask, right, because you mentioned about SEO and stuff like that. So uh, I'm more a paid advertising Facebook person, uh, mm-hmm. but I know SEO is like backlinks, there's content, stuff like that, right? So mm-hmm. are you handling majority of it or do you have like an, an army of people somewhere <laughs> that is like mm-hmm. just churning out articles for you? Mm-hmm. For SEO, I'm doing it mainly myself. So I have people who are helping me to do a bit of like content, like mm. uh, Instagram and stuff. But for SEO, I'm mainly handling it myself. Okay, understood. Then uh, previously you also mentioned that uh, the brands that you're carrying, right? Um, mm-hmm. You have some sort of agreement where mm-hmm. you don't hold inventory and stuff like that. So is it is that like drop shipping, like where they order a product and then they send it? Like how does that arrangement go with like Adidas or like uh, like Guess, for example? So for Adidas and Guess, we don't really have like a very fixed uh, agreement. Um, we will need to for this kind of big brands, right? It's usually like we have to. There'll be like a very very small discount. Mm. But uh, what we do is that we will get them to actually ship it to our uh, office, and then from there, because we sell the different brands too, so we will, we will pack them together and send it in one package to the customers, so that they will save on the international shipping. Okay, so 
how do you even approach a brand like that? Like, hey, Adidas, like, who are you calling <laughs> to get them on your roster? Like, hey, can I list your products and stuff? Like, is it the wholesale manager? Like, like who is the contact here? Okay, so, like, um, it depends, actually. So, like, for uh, for these companies, right, if that's it's really big, if you contact the company itself, right, usually mm. they won't, uh, especially if, let's say, you're very small, they won't really um, care about you so much. So, what you have to do is you have to go through a different approach. So, for example, for like, all these bigger brands, right, maybe you can approach... Um, people who are like maybe wholesalers or like people who are smaller, maybe like the retailers. Mm. And then sometimes like they will just sell it to you at a discount. Yep. Yeah. So I think it depends on the approach. Like for smaller, smaller brands will just approach the brand directly. Um, but um, if let's say for bigger brands, you can go for like uh, yeah, this kind of approach. Okay. I should. For, for something like ADLV, are they considered big or small? Like medium in Korea? Mm, they are actually uh, like a, uh, what's that? the small and mid-sized SME company la. in Korea. Yeah. Okay, got it. So how, how do you approach them? So do you say, hey, I um, we're going to sell your product. Can you just give me a small discount and then we just mark it up and sell for you sort of thing? And because you are, you're not really, you can't, like as a smart startup, you don't have enough cash for to buy inventory, right? So how does that process go? How do you think about uh, planning for that sort of thing? For ADLV, they actually want you to buy inventory. So okay. different brands have like different kind of agreements. Mm. So like for ADLV, they, they are very strict and they want uh, you to buy a certain amount of inventory. So for them, you'll need to prepare the funds and then uh, yeah, buy the, the minimum amount of inventory from them. And then uh, then they have this actually, they, because they have been selling it overseas for a period of time. So they're actually quite open to people to sell their, their brand. Yeah, so they actually have a team, uh, a separate team, like a separate agency, something like that, to actually handle all the overseas sales. Yeah, so you just have to contact this overseas um, sales team and then they will just liaise with you very professionally. Okay, understood. Yeah. Is it, because uh, I, I know your site is built on Shopify. I went to see the, uh, the, the back end stuff. So like, for example, customer comes in, right? They come and pay money to you. You collect the money first, then your team will, I guess, handle the order, see what comes in. They order Adidas, ADLV, then contact the supplier, can you send over to our office, then you package and ship it out, right? Is that correct? Yes, yes. So what happens when, like, I don't know, Q4 or holiday season, got like 50 orders, 100 orders a day, then it's like, is it just more like, okay, just try lah, just try to make things happen. Like, how, how does that go if, it, if this thing scales? If let's say there's a lot of, of orders, um, because like, we'll just send it to, we'll just send the orders to the brand, and then they will just send it to us. It's just that our packing will just get more, uh, a bit more, like we we'll spend more time packing off. Yeah, okay. so that's different. But then again, like, if, if the order comes in from Shopify, right, then isn't it very, very manual to like, hey, to tell the brand this happens? Or is that some sort of API on the back you built that automatically sends to them and it will tell you that, okay, we need to ship this product, for example? Actually, the best uh, thing is actually to actually build out an API or something to actually link you to the, to the, uh, the brand itself. But because like, uh, I think there's not really an API where they link it to like the Korean brands right now. So it's very difficult to do this kind of thing, although like we are looking to it uh, in the future. So right now what we have to do is that we actually have to like inform the brands ourselves. So this part is actually very manual. Okay. Answer. Bryson, sorry. Actually just have you ever drop the brand on your <laughs> website. <laughs> drop meaning? Stop drop selling. as in like One stop selling it, just completely removing it from uh your store. Uh actually we have a few, not a lot. Yeah, because their sales is not really very good. Um, oh. Yeah, and then so we have reached an agreement that uh, like, uh, let's stop it. Or like the brands, 
sometimes it's from like two sides. Sometimes it's from outside. Sometimes from the brand side, their brand might not be doing very well, and that's why they want to drop it too because they want to like spend time doing the invoice and stuff too. Yeah. Oh, I see. Oh, they. So on your end, it's mainly because of like uh, okay, both sides mainly numbers. Also. So there's no there's no reason why you would drop the brand because like of some like uh, I don't know like to make your product product inventory fit fit the niche like there, there are no brands that just go out of uh like change their stuff since you focus yeah, on streetwear they, they don't really change actually they will change every season but their style will somehow remain about the same mm. yeah so it doesn't really uh yeah yeah, yeah their direction won't change that much also i I seen on your uh linkedin i like, you managed yeah. to scale the business into five countries so yeah. <laughs> what 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 uh can we know like what countries are those and actually why did you pick them is it all because of like the the data says that you should go there mm-hmm. so like um our target countries mainly are like singapore like we started with singapore like Malaysia, and then we like go to the us um like a bit of europe like australia mm. a bit of hong kong the common thing is that they are all like english-speaking countries and they are a bit more affluent. Um, yeah, so like initially we are just targeting Singapore, but like you see like a bit of, um, you know, um, uh, what's that? Uh, sales coming in from like these other countries. So we do more, a bit more marketing on all these countries to actually grow this brand. But then like SEO is very targeted, like different countries might have like, a bit of different SEO. So you also need to like, actually spend a bit of effort on this. Like influencers, we need to actually find like, people from all these countries. To actually extend to all this market because if it, essentially we are all like uh online mm. business so for online you really have to like do a lot of different like targeting and a lot of like marketing to actually reach all these different group of people understood then in terms of like um you know difficulties in scaling in these countries do you do you face any issues like maybe sometimes the the customer service approach is slightly different you have to adjust or in terms of like you know maybe they have certain rules or regulations that prevent you to like ship your stuff properly in time did you face any of these issues when scaling to some of countries especially since or even though they're all english speaking but i imagine that like it's quite uh distance wise they're quite far it's one of them is like in singapore and the other one's like all the way in the u.s so like for all those like u.s countries or like <clears throat> countries that's part of asia right you need to be very careful in selling the products because sometimes like a few times we send like the wrong product or the wrong size and then they will want like an exchange or a return. Mm. So that will lead to a lot of international shipping charges on your side. Uh, because you will have to handle this this part. So it will be it will be quite uh, difficult for you if let's say you have a lot of this kind of issues. So you need to be really careful. Uh, so that's one part. If let's say uh, we are looking at like US and then for the Europe, they actually have very high um, tax. So for everything that you send, they have very tax, very high tax, including like countries such as Indonesia too. So like, uh, you have to find a way to actually reduce the tax or like to find a way whereby to make it as convenient as possible for them actually. Yeah. See, so then I'm a little bit curious also about like, because uh, you mentioned that actually the SEO is done by you yourself, right? Do you have, mm-hmm. um, you have a team? Have you built a team that um, helps you like, uh, you know, run, make makes things more uh, on uh, auto drive instead of like you having to do everything yourself. Mm-hmm. I think I, I would imagine it's very uh very straining at this time. It's very hard to focus on the strategic work while trying to uh, build up all the F- at the same time. Mm-hmm. 
so like for SEO, right, um, you need, it's actually uh, like a, put in, you need to put in constant, uh, consistent effort to actually mm. build out the SEO. But once you have like the underlying, like the groundwork done, right, you mm. just need to just uh, go in and tweak it um, on a more like regular basis instead of investing all of your time in that. Yeah, so I think like for the first um, few, maybe first few uh, months or like the first one or two years, it'll get, it'll be more difficult because you need to actually get all the groundwork done. But after that, it'll, be, it'll get easier for you. Oh, I see. That uh, just also curious about your future plans. Have you ever thought of like you know designing clothes by yourself and releasing it? Uh, actually, <laughs> I'm very bad at designing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I won't be like going to designing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but will you accept like uh, has people ever come up to you right and pitch like uh, their brands, their clothing designs, like completely unknown people that just come up to you and pitch like, should you like these are some of my work? Would you think of carrying them? Has it ever happened? Um, Yes, uh, like we have a few, like some in, mostly in Korea, and then we have like from Indonesia, like this kind of um, small designer brands. Yeah, but Indonesia, we don't really accept because we are more like a Korean fashion brand. Mm. So that's our, that's our main thing. And then for some of the Korean brands, uh, uh, it depends on whether they actually fit our, like our style. I'm yeah. sure. Like, is there like uh I know this is a really like far reaching concept stuff, but like you own the traffic, you own the the customer already, right? So it's like mm-hmm. you technically could like incubate a few smaller Korean brands and like showcase them and then promote them, potentially even take equity in them. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh as in buy the brands, is it? So invest uh, invest in all those brands. Yeah, so young aspirational designer comes up to you, hey Chloe, I don't have the traffic, I don't have the customer, you have it. Can you come and pump and promote my brand? Then you take them under the startup kit umbrella. Then you grow that up, get customers, stuff like that, awareness. Then potentially even acquire or take equity in some of them. But mm-hmm. because you're bringing the customer to them, right? You, you help them in a sense because like, you're bringing their business and making that designer or whoever uh, a viable business in a sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, I think like this is something that can be considered in the future. But because I, I don't really have like that much interest in like the, the design side. So uh, right now I haven't thought of like acquiring or like having like a stock in all those businesses. It's more like um, um, I want to help them to sell more things uh, and I want to make their process as simple as possible. Okay, yeah. understood. Also, you mentioned that because the five countries are a majority of your revenue, right? So in terms of shipping time, do you see, because container f- uh, freight costs increase right? a lot, a lot of stuff like that. So yeah. how, how did you combat that and what's your, yeah. So like um for the for a lot of, for most of the countries we actually ship by DHL as after the COVID situation because the COVID situation actually increased the freight cost and also lead to a lot of delays. Mm. So um we just change everything to DHL and ship uh yeah within a week the customers regardless of which country they are they are able to get their products. Okay, so even like uh a week to US a week to Singapore basically. Singapore yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Okay, got it. And one question is the how do you structure your team? How do I structure my team? Yeah, is how, how does the org chart look like? <laughs> is it you and then like like how yeah? So we are a very small team and then we are very flat. So like it's just me and then like we have like, several uh staff like working together and they are mainly doing like the social side mm. of the, the thing, like creating content, reaching out to influencers, um, like doing a bit of like the inventory and stuff like that. Yeah, so this is um, 
basically like just um like the the kind of work that we do done and then we just put it within like us. We don't really have like a you know like a hierarchy kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Are they based in Korea as well or? We have them based in like Korea and also Singapore. Okay. All right. And those yeah. people uh like. Do they normally like specialize in one single market and then they just tackle and then all the influencers go through them? Like how how do you think about uh, so delegating? Like, um, yeah. We actually delegate based on like the job scope itself. It's not by countries for now. So like for example, Instagram, you just have to learn, do like different kind of Instagram. If let's say influencers, you have to reach out to like the influencers from different countries. Mm. Um, although they all speak English. Um, yeah, Pinterest, you just have to do the the Pinterest. Uh, yeah, things like that. Okay. Uh. I know this question a bit. Um, uh, sometimes I, so I don't know how to answer. But like, how do you plan to like ten x this business? So like, you're saying the five countries. Right? I know you need to start up more customers, or you need customers to come back and buy more and more. But how do you plan to ten x this thing? Um, actually, in order to like build up this business, right? Um, we will need to have more brands, and we will need to make it less manual. Meaning, like, mm. we need to make the business a bit uh, a lot more automated. So let's say you look at the the scene right now, there's a lot of um, um, fashion, like small businesses. But in order to really bring to new heights, right, you need to make it more like a, a Shopee kind of thing. Yeah. By the way, Branson's working at Shopee. Again? Okay. <laughs> working at Shopee. As, <laughs> as, as an intern. As, as an intern. <laughs> yeah, so you just ask him. <laughs> yeah, Branson, you can create something like Shopee. So anyways, like Shopee kind of thing, right, we are, we are actually like the the thing like the entity like that's managing everything they don't really have like any um uh, let's say like equity or different brands or like different sellers they just they are just a platform where like different sellers can sell a lot of things and that's how they can actually grow so so fast mm. is because um they can actually acquire a lot of sellers and customers at the same time yeah so actually you know to really grow the business to to like in terms of unlimited potential Actually, we have to go through this route, but that will require a lot of investment and a lot of like um, we cannot just go with like our limited amount of people. We need to really expand our people and stuff like that. So for now, um, I put this in like the future plans, but not in the near future. Okay. Speaking of Shopee, yeah, uh, they uh recently I see like there's a lot of focus on like live streaming. Like they are doing live streaming as well. Have you ever thought of like doing live streaming for for your products? Because I, I I uh. I don't even know if it's a popular thing in Korea, but from what I know, there's more, more and more Korean Twitch streamers coming up. So is that like, a, is streaming become a, becoming a thing and do you ever see yourself like selling uh, via like streams? Korean, Korean people streaming at Shopee? Uh, not Korean people streaming at Shopee, like live streaming in general. I see like there's a lot more uh, mm. focus there in Shopee. I don't know if, uh, if, that's, if that's a thing we'll consider given like the context of how uh, your, your your markets are actually would you will you do live streaming uh yeah we don't really um close um close off to any other different kind of web channels so if mm. let's say uh, live streaming is good then we go to live streaming ah, i see then uh this is this is another far-fetched thing uh, but like because uh recently from what i see online especially with a lot of like those tech firms right there's a lot of focus about uh, and and talk about how AR and VR is like how is it is the future for clothing like you know you can like uh, use like uh, mm. for, for example like Snapchat that you can like test out your clothes on yourself. Do you, do you think that's flaky? Like, <laughs> do you think that might work? Like, given like uh, your experience with selling 
clothes. Do you think that's actually a, something that customers will want? Yes. Actually, from the customer point of, point of view, I would want that to happen, actually. Because right now, there's a lot of... Um, actually, we face a lot of issues in terms of sizing. Even I put a size check, people don't really understand or like, you cannot feel how the size fit on them. Like, as a customer, when you buy clothes, especially for overseas, right, you just you feel very unsafe on like how the clothes will look like on you. So if let's say they can use like AR or like VR in order to like see how the clothing is actually fit on um, the customers, right? I think that would be a really good idea. And actually we have been exploring this also. Um, I've already signed up for a patent in Korea with regards to one of the like um, fitting of the clothes um, in terms of using like this kind of technology. But I think um, that will require a lot of um, also investment and also a lot of time and stuff for technology to actually advance to that level. But I think this is something that will really um, uh, bring the fashion industry to a greater heights. So actually, it's quite accurate, right? Like how, how this technology works. Like uh, if I say, say, just stand in front of... Actually, how does it work? Uh? So I stand in front of a... Do I have to stand in front of a mirror to actually do that? Or I I don't know, like... The camera face myself then they, they have the the shirt proportion already done up actually i think like right now um, it's very inconsistent so like mm. um, i i heard that in china they might they they, they might have um, like a mirror kind of thing whereby you can see yourself wearing that clothing in front of the mirror i think that would be one of the one of the like closest thing that you can get to um, really trying out the clothing without Using a fitting room. I think that will save a lot of fitting room too in the future. Mm. Um, that's a really good um, technology. Um, but I think right now there's several apps where they will let you um, maybe try out the clothings, I guess. But it's not really accurate, and it's not very. Um, uh, there's a limited amount of clothings that you can try. Yeah. Mm, I see. Then there's another like uh, I I wouldn't say it's upcoming business model, but I see a lot of like uh companies like trying to package like uh goods uh, sorry clothing together then they like recommend designs to you I, I don't know if stitch fix does that but they like uh based on your profile everything and they, every month they send you like clothes and stuff do, do you mm, think okay. do you think that that's a that's a good model because i don't know like if they send me the clothes i don't like need to send back right there's a lot of like <laughs> there's a lot of like uh back? sorry why i need to send why, back why, yeah because cause the, the clothes are nice. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it. I send it back. <laughs> okay, because if let's say you keep it, you have to pay money. Yeah, yeah. Eh, no. Actually, how the model works like, uh, some of them, like, they allow you to rent it, right? Like, they, they give you the clothes, then you, like, wear for one money, send it back. But that's a, a little, little gross or so. But then, <laughs> the thing is, they send me the, the clothes that I, uh, that I... I for example, like this, there's this thing, this company called Loot Boxes. I don't know if you've heard it before. Like, uh, it's like a unknown package of, uh, merchandises that get they get sent to you every every month. Then you open up, and whatever you get is whatever you get. I, I don't know if they do for clothes, but if, like, I, some of them do. I think like you, they send you like a bunch of clothes. Then if you like, then you buy. I guess then if you don't like, then I, I don't know what you do. You just send it back. Have you have you have you seen this kind of model before? Okay, can you explain kind of, a little? Uh, this kind of subscription model is actually doing very well for skincare, like Korean skincare brands, um, especially oh. in Europe and a bit of the US. Uh, they, are, they are more like a random box that you receive every month, uh, like including like different kind of like facial masks, like um, like toner, moisturizer for Korea, because this is very huge in 
um, these countries, mm. and they don't really mind um, receiving brands that are not um, like mainstream at the house, those brands that they know. I think for Singaporeans, this model don't really work very, very well because we are more, uh, uh, we, we know the Korean skincare brands a bit better than like, um, like countries that are a bit far away. So we know like which brands that we want. For example, like Singapore customers may want like, okay, I only want Launich or I want like, you know, um, Ethic House only, that kind of thing. So if let's say you send them a brand, not this well-known brands, they don't want to try on their face. But I guess like um, countries like US or like Europeans, right, they are actually more, uh, how do I say, uh, more open to all this, to these things, like in terms of skincare brands uh, right now. So this is the different kind of like culture and also like mentality kind of thing. Although I think that for, for clothing, it might be a bit difficult because um, people actually, skincare is more like for maintenance, right? But mm. for clothing, it's actually to showcase your personality. So if let's say the person send you a random clothing that's not part of your personality, I don't think that the person will want to wear it, even though like even for oversized t-shirt, it might be the trend right now. But different oversized t-shirts have different kind of personality, some cute, some cool, you know, some hippie and stuff like that. If let's say you send a random one to like people, they might not want to, to try it actually. Yeah, so, so that's for them. For the model to work, it has to be very, very customized. Like you really have to like be a designer. Not really a designer, like you have to be a stylist to the guys. Uh it's every every to, preference, right? Yeah, there's two ways. One is like you need to choose um your customers are not picky. That means they're very open to try hmm. different things. That's one. Uh or second, you choose a very um targeted niche. So like maybe oh. this niche is they are like they like metal music, they are like those kind of hip hops, and then they like black and metal and stuff like that. Then you just, just send them like different kind of like every month just send them different kind of clothings, but all like in this kind of similarity kind of you know things like that. Instead of like targeting just like a younger younger people, uh you know, things like that. For us it's very difficult because we are targeting like um unisex and then like girls and boys, mm. different kind of personality, everybody all different. It's very difficult for us like this kind of thing. So the issue is also like uh it's either very very niche, which leads to a smaller market, and then the other thing the other thing is it's very hard to actually uh segment these people into uh mass market. Right? Actually I don't think that um the, the, the niche market might be small. If let's say you choose your niche properly, right? The market might be big enough for you. Yeah. It's just that right now there might not be uh the niche right now they might not have a market that caters to them so if let's say you are able to find this niche market mm. and then just target them you'll be the solution they are looking for mm, i see so, could we get asked right who are the types of people who are buying your products because you mentioned that uh technically you started streetwear right so are these people mm. like hype beasts like <laughs> like who are they are they like more male more female and do you, the, the customer, like, who is actually the customer? Mm. So, like, um, for Singapore, it's more like, um, so we have, like, a, it's quite, uh, like, similar in terms of, like, the gender, like, girls and guys. It's, uh, yeah, we have, like, a good mix of them. Mm. For Singapore, I think, like, um, they like the oversized t-shirts kind of thing, and they don't mind trying a bit of, like, the different kind of brands that we had. For the US or like the other countries, they are, they are also more open. 
Um, but some we noticed that a lot of them are actually uh, K-pop fans. So because like they, they see their idols wearing this kind of like streetwear during their days off, that means when they're off stage, right? Mm. So they become interested and they want to wear the same thing as their idols. So this is also something that we see coming from like these other countries. Understood. How did you get your like first 50 customers? Because you said transition from Carousel. Carousel is like bottom of funnel traffic, very qualified, mm. right? But then mm. SEO takes a long time as well. So yeah. how did you do the first ramp up, basically? Uh-huh. Okay, so because... Uh, actually, I kind of forget how I get the first 50 customers. <laughs> okay. Uh, Luck, uh. <laughs> No. <laughs> uh... I think it took a few months for the SEO to actually build up. And then, uh, because I have like several customers from like Carousel, I was doing it for like a few years. Yep. And then, uh, maybe maybe they are the first few customers, I guess. Like my regular customers from Carousel and other platforms. Yeah. Okay. So if, if I am uh, Apple brand, right? Mm. So I come to you, I contact us from the website or whatever. Mm. So how, how does the process of being listed on your site go? So like, uh, if let's say you you expand an, an interest, and then we'll see whether the um your your products actually um fit our target audience, like our audience, mm. and then if let's say it fits, then we arrange a meeting. You go and meet the brand, and then we oh, will, like in person. Uh, yes, if let's say they're in Korea, mm. you go and meet the person, have a meeting, and then we discuss like how it works, and we also discuss their concerns. Then we'll just um then we send them a contract, then we just start. Agreement. Yeah. Okay. I know people don't use Google, right? They use Naver, right? Yes. So are they, they are they like Google. searching your like how do they find your site such that they know that okay I want to list that in the first place? Oh, okay. So like we are not listed on Naver, I think. Oh. We don't target <laughs> okay. the current customers. Um, how they know about it is that um, firstly it's those companies or like those brands that are looking to expand overseas. So those people who are trying to over expand overseas, right? They have actually a team of like maybe the global team like mm. the business development team who are always like looking up for opportunities. Western so, market. Uh. Uh, Western market or like, you know, Asian market or any market that's out of Korea. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so they will use Google. They will actually search a bit on like for all those like fashion stuff and they'll find us. No? Yeah. Okay. And so, uh, I don't know whether you know this, but Amazon has like a, a net 30 day conversion cycle. It means Amazon point of sale, right? They take the money first and then like 14 days, whatever. And then they pay the the brand, for example, so that they always have like take cash flow and then they take cash flow and then reinvest. So is that same for you where you take money first, right? Then only after 14 days, there you pay the brand. Like how does that transaction flow go? Mm. So like we actually do like a very lean like business model. So how it goes is that usually, right, the arrangement we have with most brands is that we take the money from the customers and then we just buy directly on their website. Oh, but I thought you had a discount that... Yeah, we apply a discount. Oh, okay. Yeah, Got it. so we money in, we money out to them straight away. Okay. Yeah, so this will keep our financial healthy uh, and also keep our everything like this kind of model lean. Okay, so you have to actually manually, your staff have to manually go and Adidas website, for example, apply the this discount given to you and then ship it out, basically. Yes, for now, that's why this part of it is like a very manual. Mm. But um, I think for a lot of, um, small businesses like especially fashion businesses right now is um, like that but in order to to really grow the business uh in the future like for you say like 10x right yep. you actually have to change all these things to become automated mm. 
Okay. Preston has a question, but uh, I'll help you ask. Uh. He asked uh, about QC, quality control. So obviously, you're buying directly from the brand, so they have to control. But for example, if there's defect, customer stuff like that, how does like returns process go for you guys? Uh, so firstly, we will try to reduce this as much as possible because we are doing international deliveries. But if, let's say, there is something that we didn't see uh, at the, and customers um, come back to us with it, we will actually do like an internal discussion, like how are we going to like um, settle this thing. But most of the time, let's say it's a it is like a real defect, we just we will just uh, refund yeah. the thing to the customer. Yeah. Oh, so you you even ask customer to like ship somewhere and then to return it? Because if yeah. let's say they, they ship, if let's say it's um a defect, right? If let's say they ship it back to us, uh, it will be very expensive, mm. and we can't even sell it also. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we'll just. Just do a refund for them. Understood. Uh, I know China, like, even though they, they ban BTS or whatever, right? Like, they actually love K-pop, I think. Right? Mm-hmm. So, is there, a, is there a market there that you potentially can sell into? Technically, because if you do Chinese SEO, go into Baidu, technically you could rank, right? Mm, yes. Actually, China is a very huge market for, like, um, this kind of product is actually very, um, it's very good. But there's also a lot of sellers that are doing this right mm. now, and they have, like, several... Um, website where there are like people uh, or like there's uh, companies like selling all these kind of things like agencies and stuff like that so in order to go to China China is like a different thing on its own you really have to be really understanding of this um, country not just a language but like how they do marketing how they approach um, selling and buying and then the logistics wise and stuff like that so um, right now it will be a good market for us, but we are not looking at going to it in the near future. Okay, understood. Uh, I'm guessing because you own a Korean fashion brand, like a lot of friends and family are like hitting you up, right? Like, hey, can you give me the latest? <laughs> like, I would imagine your friends will ask you for stuff like this, right? No. Because honestly. my friends are actually not very young, like, really. Oh, okay. Oh, so they don't really care, lah. Yeah, because they don't. My, my friends don't usually wear like oversized T-shirts, really. Like oh. they're over that age, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they don't really, you know, like ask me about that, you know. Yeah, and they are kind of over the K-pop um, thing already. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, uh, have last question for you before we end off. Uh, who's the CEO uh, that you're following or studying that uh, you really look up to? Mm, I think like uh, it's Gary B. Okay. So like Gary <laughs> is one of the um I think he's like I don't know, he's like based in American or something, but he actually set up like this Vayner media in Singapore too. And I think like um he doesn't really he he's very authentic. Yeah. And he gives insights that are not just business but also personal and it's very um I guess like practical, that's why. Yeah. Okay. Ken. Uh I never heard anyone say Gary V is practical. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm a marketer myself. But I mm. most people say he's very like fluffer because he sees mm. like high pie in the sky stories, but he never gave like actual tactics and stuff. But ah, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. He never <laughs> yeah. really share marketing tactics. I think yeah, he never share marketing tactics. But in terms of like the personal, like how should you live your life? How what should you what oh. kind of thinking should they have? I think like these are good things that um, if let's say you have, yep. then it will build for your success uh in like personal life or like even business. Yeah. Mm. Okay, can. Uh, so last question is, how do people reach you? Um, if you want to sell something, go ahead, promote your stuff. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, let, let, tell people how they can find you, reach out, contact you and stuff like that. Okay, so like, um, if let's say you want to reach out to me, you can always find me on LinkedIn 
and Chloe C H L E E U E U. Um, yeah, so you can always find me on LinkedIn or like you can also find me on Instagram uh, at Chloe E U too. Okay, can thank you Chloe for your time and um, this is the end of the episode, guys. Thank you. Thank you.